Oasis. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen. Hello, I am Scott Allen, and thanks to my daughter Kate for developing the intro to the Practical Wisdom for Leaders podcast, where we offer a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests help us explore timely topics and incorporate practical tips to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. If you haven't done so, please click subscribe so you automatically, seamlessly stay in the know when we publish new episodes. Likewise, please provide me with feedback. What do you like? What do you dislike? And what else would you like to know? And now, today's show. My guest today is Giogo Satius, and we met because of the Collegiate Leadership Competition probably about two years ago, but I was just saying to Diogo that we didn't really have any time to sit down and build a relationship and connect. So we were, we were emailing a few weeks back, and I thought this would be really, really fun to really get your perspective. You are an author, you're a speaker, you're starting a PhD program, and yeah, I probably have stolen all of your thunder now, sir. <laughs> but why don't you say a few things about yourself and then we'll jump into our conversation today. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Uh, first, it's just like great uh, to hear you saying my name because I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. And, you know, like seeing, hearing you like introducing me right now, it's pretty exciting like i can feel that i'm listening myself in your podcast so <laughs> thanks a lot uh for for having me a little bit about myself so i am from brazil originally um i came here i came to the us for the first time in 2014 as a exchange student i did one year here at southern Illinois university and then i had to go back and finish my degree in brazil but on that one year that was that I was here, um, I had a great experience in the leadership development program, and that really changed my life. You know, I I finished my undergrad in production engineering, but I changed my focus from engineering to leadership. So uh, when I went back to Brazil, I started talking about leadership and uh, more specifically about self leadership, helping students, and then in 2017. I got back to the U.S. Uh, to work on the same program that I graduated uh, here at SIU. And that was my job for the past three years. And now uh, I decided to challenge myself and go into the PhD program in, in business. So that's a very, very long story short uh, about myself and how I, I ended up here. Well, that is really, really cool. So I didn't realize that you were engineering to begin with. And the leadership development program at SIU really changed your trajectory. So what were some ingredients yes. that what were some ingredients that that kind of facilitated that? What do you think? That's that's pretty powerful. It is it is so when uh when I first started college in 2011 uh my my, my course was very new. I was the second uh cohort going through the the whole program. Okay. So there wasn't that many um, opportunities outside classroom there. Um, and then we end up, have you ever heard about ISAC? It's a student organization. I haven't, no. Okay, so ISAC, it's a world organization that develops leadership through exchange opportunities. So basically, it's a, a student organization that takes people 
from their countries to other countries and also bring people from other countries, in my case, to Brazil, to do um, social work or sometimes even uh, working companies. So it's that bridge between, you know, uh, NGOs, companies and students. So we ended up starting one uh, AI sec in my college and, you know, we were five friends. So who's going to do what? I ended up being the president. And of course, I, I sucked like the, the whole year, <laughs> right? I had no idea what leadership was. Uh, for me, uh, honestly, it was more like a title than anything else, you know, like you, you are that figure that yeah. everybody looks up to. Yeah. But I had no idea about what to do, you know, besides motivate people. Yeah. Uh, and I think what triggered for me was when I came to SIU and I was part of the leadership development program, I saw that a lot of the things that I was learning in the program were mistakes that were was things that I also learned, but based on my mistakes at ISAC in Brazil. So that was like the trigger, you know, I, I was like, wow, you can really learn leadership. And if you do this right, you can create like change in whatever you go. And because I saw myself changing, my friends changing, I decided that that was something that I, I, I wanted to pursue. I knew that I wanted to help people. I didn't know how. When I learned about leadership, that became a passion and I connected both things. You know, like I, I knew that I could help people, especially students, through leadership. And then I kind of like gave up engineering to pursue that path. That's great. That's great. You know, I have a similar experience in some ways. So my primary, I had never served in a leadership role until I joined a fraternity at the University of Minnesota. And I was kind of this shy, I was not all that confident. I, I had never led anything. And all of a sudden I got into this organization and for four years I was heavily involved, heavily involved. But I didn't have a course I had no knowledge of what great leaders do, nothing. And so it was hilarious, Diogo, because in my first job, my manager actually had a 7 a.m. book club, and we read The Leadership Challenge by Kuzas and Posner. And, and I sat there <laughs> literally every day and just thought, well, I, I screwed that up. <laughs> you know, that, that was wrong. Well, you could have done that differently, Scott. And it was, it was just transformative that this was even a topic that I could study or learn about. And I was hooked in like literally in that moment because it was juxtaposed with this really powerful experience. This content I just found transformational, right? And it sounds like you had somewhat of a similar, similar experience and an aha moment. Oh, yeah. And, and see, I, I love how life works, Scott, because the base for the leadership development program here is the leadership challenge. Yes. So my first contact with leadership was through the five practices of exemplary leaders. Yep. And, and that was the thing that, you know, was like my wake up call to, to leadership. Yep. So it's nice to hear that, you know, we, we came from the, the same origins, I guess, from yes. leadership. That's super yes. cool. Well, and so tell, I, I, when we originally talked about having this conversation, and, and we'll get to a couple different concepts, but as you look at even your home country of Brazil, how, how do you think about basically, now that you've studied leadership here, uh, kind of a, a, a U.S., most of the scholars 
probably obviously Kuzes and Posner and kind of a U.S. perspective of the topic. How do you think about uh, leadership at home? Uh, is it similar? Is it different? What? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that question. Yeah, you, you know, when, when we first uh, talked about this, that was very interesting because I, I know that there are some things that are different but I never, I never saw that as something that would like stand out from from each other. Sure. You know, um, I think that generally, uh, it's speaking, Brazilians are more, uh, more a more people person. You know, they're more like a relationship based. Uh, it's almost like uh, to to do business with Brazilians, like you do business with the person, not with the company. You know, uh -huh. like you have to build that relationship before you, you you sell something um and i think that was like one of one of the the biggest differences you know like we, we are way more uh people related people person i think that's the the analogy the the language that that we, we can use uh, so that's definitely the the, the biggest difference uh, I have friends that, you know, know other Brazilians and they always say like, wow, you guys are always like smiling. You guys seem like super happy all the time, you know? And I, I even, I, I had a fun story that my, I don't know if that's relevant or not, but I, when I was yeah. thinking about that it was super funny, but I have a neighbor here and every time I pass through his house, uh, I say, hey, good morning, you know, how you doing? And Scott, no kidding. I think it took me probably like two months for him to say like, hey, good morning, you know, like just say it back. <laughs> so it was just awesome. Like I, I, I persisted, you know, and I finally got to build that small relationship with, with my neighbor here. Uh, so that's probably like the, um, I think like the, the biggest difference, you know, uh, that, that I saw here. Yep. Well, so, so heavily relationship-based. Tell me about leadership when you, when you went home for it was a couple of years, I believe you said. What what is the context like from a leadership education standpoint? Is it in every university like it is here in the United States? Is it is it less common? How does the kind of infrastructure work in Brazil? Yeah. So the the, the biggest difference also I see it's that. I feel like there's more the, the thinking, not about educators, but about the students. I feel like students are more leadership oriented to like the students in Brazil, they know the importance of learning leadership, hmm. you know, and, and the biggest proof of, of that is, so I told you about ISAC. When, when I think about other student organizations in Brazil, have you ever heard about junior enterprise, the junior enterprise movement? I have not. Okay, so Junior Enterprise Movement is a, um, there are student organizations also that they basically do consultancy work to small companies, it, you know, the CEO program, right? Have yep. you heard about that one too? Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So it's basically the CEO program, but for college students. So uh, I, I was like looking at the numbers also before I talk here. And the junior enterprise movement in Brazil today has over 22,000 students spreaded through Brazil. Wow. Uh, 
those projects that they make that usually, you know, it can go from a 5S project to um, maybe um, they have to build a, a mechanical part to a machine for a company, you know? Yep. So it, it's a big range of, pro, of projects from different majors, from engineering to business to uh, geography, history, you know, there's like a very broad range. But uh, I was looking at their numbers and from 2016 to 2018, they made over $15 million. Wow. So th this is just like amazing because it's a self-organized organization yep. by students. And then Student Enterprise Movement, it's a, it's a big one there. ISEC also today has probably, I, I, I saw the numbers here, but like thousands and thousands of students. Then we have the Engineer Without Borders, which was an organization that I worked also with them. Uh, and what impresses me is that their organization level. They have universities, and then each university has a, a state organization that takes care of them. Yep. And then there's also another organization in the federal level that organizes all of them. Okay. And all the federations also meet once a year to uh, talk about the ward project. So for me, it's just like amazing to see how you know th those uh, student organizations uh, organize themselves to help Brazil improve and to to uh, develop themselves in becoming better leaders. And then when I when I came to the US, that was something that I didn't see in a big proportion like that. I, I feel like here it's more STEM related, right? Like the people uh -huh. are more hands on. Uh, we build a robot, we build a, a, a car, and, and that's how they end up practicing leadership. Um, but I think like those are like the, the big two differences. But uh, again, your, your question was about like how the, 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 as a leadership educator, how those two things are different. And I think like in Brazil, the students give more value to learn leadership huh. than here. Okay. If, does that make sense? Yeah. So do you mean that, that um, just to clarify, that the students really value being engaged, being involved, being active and, and doing, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that's the primary model or, or vehicle for learning leadership. It seems to me at times here, it can, leadership education can be a little more passive, even a little bit at the collegiate level where we're sitting in a room and we're kind of learning about leadership. Now, of course, that's not a a hard and fast rule, but is that what you mean? Yes, yes, it is. Even, um, so for example, another thing that was big in Brazil and that I missed so much here is the amount of conferences that we had there. And I don't know if it's because it, it's my, it was my environment. I yeah. used to be a speaker back there and here I ended up working with a, a, a small group in one university, but and uh, the semester before coming here, I spoke in probably more than like 20 different conferences, oh. all organized by students. And all those conferences, they had a, some leadership there. Sometimes was engineering, sometimes was business, sometimes was, you know, biotech, like whatever it was. But they're always talking about leadership. Wow. So and it's I, the students that are organizing. Right, the students organizing. Yes. 
That's a big difference. I mean, that really is a big difference yeah. because at least my, my impression of, of the, the U.S. is that there's always an adult who's either an advisor or someone who's administering the, the student programming. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it does. That's a, a great point. And, and I think that's what I was trying to, to say about, you know, it, the, the need for leadership comes from them. Like they know how important uh, that is. That's really cool. Well, so tell yeah. me about your experience because you served as a coach for the collegiate leadership competition. And that's mm-hmm. for our listeners. That's an organization where we have students who the universities kind of sign on, you get a coach, uh, the, the, the university assigns a coach and then there's teams of six students and those six students practice leadership for three or four months. And then after that practice season is done, there's a competition. And so you served as a coach for for two years, I believe, or was it three? Yes. I think it was three because then the third year was the, mm. the pandemic. So yes. it ended up not, not happening, but it was yeah. three years, yes. So share just a couple observations of that experience. What what stood out for you from, from CLC? Oh my God, Scott. Honestly, the, oh, I remember telling Bella that that. The first time I saw the curriculum, I was like, acronyms, you know, like, how, how can you learn leadership from acronyms? <laughs> and Scott and whoever is listening, I couldn't be more wrong, mm. you know, because it was great to see throughout the years or students, like, going back to the acronyms to, you know, either have a confrontation or either, you know, talk about like a, a leadership style or a follower style, you know, and because we all knew what that meant, it, it made so much sense, you know, you know, like yeah. we were all on the same pattern, we we're all with, with the same knowledge. I can't tell how many times the, the comfort model, for example, helped me, you know, and how many times uh, when I had students coming to me saying, hey, like I'm having a problem with this, this friend or, or this professor, what should I do? I was always like, okay, sit here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about like how to confront people. Yeah, and I would always like you know guide them through the, those steps. Um, a big one for me, also. I don't know if I can say all those things, but like yes. the solve model yes. was a huge one. You know, yeah. when when you think about like, oh my god, we have a problem. What we're gonna do? Usually, we just like step into the solution, right? We we yep. don't make sure that everybody understood the problem. Uh, very often we don't even know who's going to be the leader of yeah. that activity, right? So yeah. that's that's probably uh, the two that I use the most. You know, it's and it's so funny because it's for everything. If we had our students and we needed to decide we were going to eat, it's always like, okay, let's use the solve model. You know, <laughs> hey, who's going to be the leader? Who's going to look online? Who you know? It's yeah. it's such a great experience, and honestly, uh, I I think I remember you saying Scott when we first met in 2018 was probably because it was a spring, so 2018. Yep. Uh, I remember you saying that the competition was our excuse to practice leadership. Yes. And yes. it's amazing to see how much effort you guys put on that. Hmm. You know. Uh, when I first saw the activities from the competition and even like from the, the curriculum, I was so impressed about 
how many like details are there and, and how it's structured everything is. And then talking with Bella once, I was like, Bella, like, where do you guys get all those things? And she, she said like, oh, we created it. Yeah. And I didn't know it was possible to create something like that. So yeah. the collegiate leadership competition definitely blew my mind about not only curriculum and how simple you guys make that that um, appear, yep. but also like practicing that and all the tension and the the excitement from the competition. So it was an amazing experience um, as a as a coach and as a participant also. Well, and it's a, it's a it's a roller coaster, right? I mean, it's, oh, it's uh, and and for those who are listening, Bella, Diogo uh, is he, he, she she was the executive director, incredible woman, just built this organization to to what it's become, and absolutely just an incredible person, and so. We are so thankful for all that she did to help build the CLC. That's for sure. And so now you've moved out of your 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 previous role at SIU, and you have you're taking on the PhD. I love it. I love it. And well, yes. and you authored a book. <laughs> it was kind of funny. You 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 wrote me and said, "Oh, I just decided to write a book this summer." So I want to hear about that. But tell me about the PhD program. What are you thinking about? What is the focus that you do? You have do you have any sense of what what's to come? It's exciting. Yeah, it, it is. It is. That, that was a big decision uh, for me, Scott, because you know I, I I I know that I this was like a big decision for me because when I was in Brazil and I started you know as a speaker and, and talking about leadership, my role was outside the classroom, you know. Mm. I, I would uh, touch people uh, outside the classroom and, and help them, you know, to become a better person, a better student, uh, a, a better leader. Um, and when I came to SIU, uh, it was a student organization. So it wasn't like, it was and it wasn't inside the classroom, you know. So yeah. I had my role as a teacher, as a professor, as a coach over there. Uh, but I, I always taught myself, you know, there's a lot of people trying to change the educational system or whatever, like from, from outside, right? And, and that, that is very effective. But I also know that we can serve as, as examples for other people uh, inside the, the classroom as well. So yeah. I think that was like my, my biggest motivator, you, you know, it's uh, to become a example for, for people and for other people that are always saying, oh, we need to change the educational system and blah, 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 you know, so let's do it. Let's do it from, from inside the, the classroom. Yep. And it's amazing to see, Scott, like what, what you do, you know, like I'm always listening to your podcast. I, I heard that one from the, the Leadership Educators podcast and how, you know, like you were adapting uh, to everything. And there's like a, a bunch of like many more great examples out there that, are really like doing a great job in, in developing students and leaders inside the classroom. Yep. So that was my, my main goal, you know, that that's what I, what I want to do. Uh, in terms of research, I know that I want to do something related to new generations. So millennials and students and Gen Z, Gen X. Uh, and I want to work with either values based theory or goal setting theory 
something that gives students like more a direction of where to go. It's funny that I, I am like trying to explain all this to you. There's like so many other things coming to my mind because, you know, there was like a huge path that led me to, to take, to come to this conclusion. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was also one of the reasons why I wrote the book. Yeah. Uh, not, it, it doesn't have much to do about the PhD program, but this thing about like changing and helping people, of course. Yeah. Well, you'll be an incredible educator. You'll do an awesome job. Thank you. You, 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 have, you have passion for the work. And that's, that's what I love about, about my, my job is that, and, and job isn't even the right word. It's not, when I go to the classroom, it's not like I'm going to work. That just doesn't sound, it doesn't sound right. It's, it's like this silly thing that I have kind of a racket I'm running that I get paid to interact with, with wonderful young people who are looking kind of up at their career and trying to figure out what they want to lock into and do. And if I can be a small part of that, that's, that's not work. (laughs) That's, that's fun. That's, that's, it's, it's, there's another word for it other than work. And you have that energy and that passion as well. And you'll change lives. I mean, you really will. Yeah. You you know, something that really stuck with me, uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts uh, where his name was, I made a note here, David Bosch. I think he was like your advisor or something. So, so David Rush, uh, Dave Rush was the first guest. John Worgen. It was John Worgen who was my dissertation chair. And we were talking about building relationships and community in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great man. Yeah. No, but, but it was David uh, that he said something about like, how well are we doing this? When you guys ah. are talking about, about how well we are developing leadership. And I remember that, you know, I was like running outside. And I remember after I heard that, I basically like black out, you know, because ah. that was always in, in my mind. Like that, that, that got stuck in my mind. And I think that's something I'm always going to take from here. You know, it's really... It's not just like going to the classroom and teaching our content, but we're like, how, how well are you doing this, right? Like, how well, how are you making sure that people are being developed and, and becoming better leaders and better students, that they're learning everything that is there? So I, anyway, just for whoever is listening, if you want to go back and I think it's episode two or three. No, it's David. episode one. It's, it's episode uh, one. It's Dave uh, Rush. And he, and he said, I have a fear. He said, I have a fear that what we're doing isn't making a difference. And, and I started the series with that, with that quote, I have a fear because I have that same fear sometimes. And I think this whole leader development, I, a, a, an episode just dropped today with David Day, who's probably the most prolific scholar on, on leadership development and leader development. And it was just such a joy to have a conversation with him. He's, he wrote a seminal piece in 2000. And so we're almost 20 years. Well, yeah, we are 20 years later. And we had this really cool conversation about what he's learned and how he's thinking about leader and leadership development. But what I love about this topic, Diogo, is that it's, it's like Mount Everest. And I, I think we're maybe at base camp, but I have so much fuel for the fact that it's such a beautiful puzzle. 
and and how do we ensure that we're doing it well? How do we truly ensure that these millions of dollars are being spent well, that our students' time is being spent well, and that we're truly making a difference, right? Beautiful puzzle, challenging puzzle, challenging puzzle. It is. Because there's so many different dimensions. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, it's funny because that, that, and then from that came another quote from Ken Robinson, you know, the guy from, um, what's Ted. his book? It doesn't, Ken Robinson, didn't he have the most watched TED Talk of all time? It was about learning or? Yes, uh, his TED Talk's called like, How Schools Kill Creativity or, or something like that. Yep. But he was talking about, like, he was telling this case where he went to a conference and a student came to him and said, oh, I, um, I have, you know, this, this very uh, boring professor, you know, like, and he doesn't, he doesn't help me at all. What, what should I do? And then he turned the question to the student, you know, like, what can you do? Because it's easy to just sit there and be passive about this whole thing and, and doing nothing. Uh, but it comes from you also to find your passion inside the classroom, you yep. know? So that should say that the, the transformation has to come from both sides, you know? Yep. Me as a student now, I'm always like uh, trying to cooperate with the professor and participate and find ways to be more engaging because hopefully I can engage like my classroom also in the whole process and then yep. helping the professor. So it's never just the, the professor's fault you know it's not the, the the work it doesn't come only from the professor it yeah. has to come from the student also we all need to take ownership from you know having a better classroom so it's, it's yeah. great to see that yeah well and and if if you have a, a professor that creates the right environment and i'm always i'm always trying for this i don't always achieve it it's it's it, it's a goal but how do you create an environment where then, yes, we can co-create. We can riff off one another. Tony Middlebrooks, he had a saying, and it really stood out to me. It was, I don't know better, I know different. And so if all of us can kind of come into this space and share what we know and, and how we see the world and our perspective on the world, of course, I know some things different than you and, and maybe some more about certain topics, but you also know certain certain topics that I have no sense of, right? In this conversation, I know very little about engineering. I wish I knew about engineering, but when Pythagorean was introduced in about eighth grade, when that theorem came up on the board and numbers became letters, there was a little guy upstairs that kind of shut down. And I did not have a growth mindset. So it was pretty fixed then from there on. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, I think, I think it's about co-creating that space and creating an environment where it's not just dependent on that one person. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree yeah. more. And well, you said and, something very good also, Scott, because it's, it's – it's collaboration, you know, and myself, I, I am guilty about that, that I haven't been more involved with the leadership community. You mm. know, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to start doing this more, you know, coming in the, the PhD program, but it's learning from each other, right? Like I always tell people that you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, someone else already did that. You can use that and do a little bit better. Right. And then you, you can build yourself your own environment. So I, I think like 
for whoever's listening, like, don't, don't forget to, you know, ask for help. Yeah. We always talked about this in the leadership development program. You don't need to do it by yourself. Ask for help because people have done that already and they, you can learn from them and do even better. Yep. And add to the, add to the body. David Day said he's, he's really excited because there's a growing community of scholars, younger scholars who are helping to work that puzzle of, of leader development, leadership education. And I, I'm so excited for you. I, I, was so fortunate when I entered my PhD program, I tapped into an energy source that was so full. (laughs) It was a joy to sit around on a Saturday afternoon and read and learn because what I was reading and what I was learning, I had so much fuel for. And I'm actually writing a paper right now. And some of these books that I purchased at the time, so this is 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. I, I, I literally this afternoon was opening some of those books because I needed to revisit some of the content and it was all marked up and there were post-it notes that were all ratty and oh, it was just an awesome memory because I, I was so thankful for that learning experience. And so I'm excited for you. We should do an annual check-in about your, your process <laughs> through this process, right? We should do that and, and just, you know, kind of check in. Because for anyone who's listening, who's thinking about a PhD program or who, who, is, who has thought about kind of furthering their education, at least for me, I felt very fortunate because I tapped into a topic and an energy source that is, it's, it's fueled me for 20 years. It really has. And, and you're about to, to begin, uh, not begin, but it's a new chapter in that educational journey. That's very exciting. And so you, you, you started practicing this summer by writing. So tell me a little bit about what you wrote this summer. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so th- that's when this story gets complicated at all. Everything, Scott. I, it's so funny because I, I feel like my, my life goes back and forth, you know, like so, uh, so much. Another reason why I joined the PhD program is because since I I learned the power of leadership, uh, I knew that I had to be smart. I knew that I had to be an example for people. So I ended up like started reading a bunch of books, right? So I was like, I'm done with one. I start another one. Sometimes I read two, three, four books about you know leadership, self-development, self-help, a, a bunch of things. Um, so when... I was in Brazil, uh, probably at the beginning uh, of our company there. We, we founded our company in 2016, January 2016. Okay. And I was listening to a podcast, and that podcast was from uh, a CEO from a talent hunting company. Okay. And by the time, Brazil was kind of having uh, this crisis. It was hard to find jobs. And the host asked her, like, uh, Sophia, so uh, is it true that uh, it's, it's being hard to place people in companies right now? And she said, like, yes, it's been hard, but not because we don't have many uh, spots, many, many jobs available, but because the students cannot answer one simple question. Huh. And that question was, what is your dream? And... At that point, I was like, man, like, it, it doesn't make sense, you know, because myself I was always like a big dreamer. 
I, I, I always had like thousands of imaginary friends, you know, I, I always, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of funny, but it was like, how, you, how can people... Diego, do you still have imaginary friends? That's the big question. So <laughs> I, I don't have, <laughs> uh, they, they are partially imaginary and partially real okay. because I talk with like my, you know, stuffed animals here. So I, that might be imaginary. I don't know. <laughs> we'll just let that one be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can cut this. Just kidding. We don't need to. But so that, that's like fun fact. Yeah. I saw once about ways to reflect yeah. and one of uh, there's like many ways that you can reflect about life. So you can yeah. talk to people, you can write it down, you can talk to yourself. Uh, but another thing is when you impersonate things. Yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm just like impersonating <laughs> objects so I can reflect about my life. So yeah. it was yeah. all... it's just creativity is all that is. Yeah. 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 I love it. That's it. Um, so, so, uh, when I saw that question, I, I, I couldn't imagine you know, like people not having dreams, like they don't know what to do with their lives, basically. And I was someone that was always like trying those, those theories in my speeches as well. So yeah. as much as I was getting to know people, uh, I was asking them, you know, like, hey, what's your dream? And then I heard so many cool things, like I want to be a, a professor to change educational system. I, I want to be a politician to also change the system. I want to be a doctor to cure cancer. But most people didn't have a dream or they had the dream of being rich, right? Yeah. I want to be rich. I want to be successful, which is great. But when you get to that point, what, what then? You know, like what's after? Yeah. So that I, I, I was on that journey for probably a year when I got the invitation to come to the U.S. and work with the leadership development program. And then when I got here, I ask my students the same question, you know, what's their dream? Do you know what you want to do with your life? And same thing, you know, everybody was lost. Wow. And I was like, man, like that, that's my call to action, you know, like two different countries, uh, two different realities, two different economies, yeah. same problems. So I had to do something about it because I was only talking about it. I was only telling people, hey, this is the why you should have a dream. But I never taught them how to have a dream. Yeah. So in 2017, I created something called the Dream Lab. So the Dream Lab was a, a 10-week class where it was like 10 sessions yeah. where I would guide people to this self-development thing. You know, we would talk about things that they like, passions, values, desires, and, and goals, and emotions, and all kinds of things to kind of help them to figure themselves so they could make more conscious decisions about what they want Love because it. so far they're just like doing things that people told them their parents school and you know the, the environment media whatever yep. so i did the dream lab for two years uh, i had two different groups going through you know creating a class i think that's what you professors call creating a syllabus creating a class oh, designing yeah. a class yeah well i love that uh, design right yes it's design. design and a lot of thing a lot of things changed and after those two years now that i, I had those two months uh, i had this two month period um from my old job in the phd program i had nothing to do i was like okay i'm gonna sit down and write this thing so uh. i i can you know Achieve, I can uh, reach more people 
outside my environment here. So yeah. I I wrote that. I sent to the editor um, this week. So actually yesterday. And now is in editing phase and I got to think about the name and, and all those small things, which it's harder than I thought it would be, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I worked on a book this summer as well with a co-author. And yes, I mean, I think the hard part comes when now you're either shopping for publishers or marketing, right? I mean, but that's awesome that you got out of your head all of that content so that you're at the phase you're in right now, right? And if I heard you earlier correctly, I mean, this, this project sounds a little bit close to what you potentially want to study, uh, motivation, values. So, so that's, that's incredible because you might uh, begin adding to that whole body and base of literature so that people can tap into, I, I did a podcast. I'd love for you to listen to this podcast Giogo, it's uh, Sarah Safari. And that's a really cool story, but it's a story about a woman who, I, I don't know how old she would have been. Maybe it was her late 20s, but she locked in at that moment and did some incredible, she's doing incredible work. So listen to that podcast because it's just a really interesting case study of someone who clicks in and just goes. And it's sad I think I was probably 32 when I clicked the first time I taught a class and I was in the classroom and that's, that's where I had that moment of, well, this isn't work. <laughs> Jeez, they're going to pay me to be here right now. Okay. You know, and, and it, it, it just clicked. And I think again, I was like 30 or 31, but I think having that as a, as a objective or having that as a vision or, I don't want to set people up to never find what they hope to, but I also think there needs to be some level of intentionality about paying attention to where your energy is, to, like you said, what you value. And if you pay attention to all of that and you have some level of clarity, maybe some of the time when some opportunities present themselves, you'd be more likely to see them, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, I think the, the thing that I most talk about in the book is to take things from the unconscious mind and bring to your own consciousness, yeah. you know, to the point where I, I think we as a generation, we, we want things to get done as soon as possible. Yeah. You know, like we just want like things to happen fast. And because of that, sometimes we, we jump steps off that process of, of self-development. Yep. Then think like if you're making any product and you jump part of the process, at the end, you're going to have a defective process, a defective product, right? Yep. So it's the same thing about life. Like we, we need to understand that this is a process that sometimes it takes longer, yep. sometimes it takes shorter. Yep. But if we can be more conscious about that at yep. the point, I, and I always say like, you know, when you get things done, you're looking down and, and just like, you know, doing, 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 doing. The key to this whole process is to stop, look up, evaluate the direction you, yeah. you want to go, and then keep keep moving forward. Yep. You know, so that that's that's my main goal with, with this book. I want people to stop to evaluate what's happening now, you know, and make a conscious decision 
of what comes next. Yeah. Is it going to work? I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, like we, we don't know if our choices are going to be uh, the right choices, yeah. but we can always take the best uh, with, the, with the choices we make. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And at least then there's some hope of some intentionality behind it. It was really cool. The other day I was with my daughters and somehow this came up. It was, it was, they'd heard something somewhere about creating a list of things you want to do in life. And so I said to them, <laughs> well, I, I have a list and, and I hadn't looked at it in probably seven or eight years, but I probably wrote this in 2005, 2004, and it was 50 things to accomplish in life. And, you know, some of them had been accomplished now. So I literally, they watched me strike it through. And some things were maybe a little less relevant. And some things I heard it and I was like, because one of them was have, have a coffee or a beer with a mountain climber in France. Just I, I want to sit and have coffee with a mountain climber and just talk or a beer. And I haven't done that yet, but it refreshed that that's a life experience I want to have. And there's a whole bunch of other things, large and small on that list, but at least there's some level of intentionality then behind where we're orienting ourselves. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Where, where, where the list was like, did you type it in? Was in your computer? It was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was in my computer and it used to be that I would go to it a little more often than I had, because like I said, I haven't looked at it in probably five or six years. I just, I knew and I remembered that I had it and I had accomplished some of the things on the list, but it checked me back into some things I'd love to do. So I, I'm excited to hear how all of this plays out for you. And, and and I I asked, I'm sorry, go go, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I asked, like, where did you put that in? Because one of like the first chapter of the book, I talk about journaling and how important it is, like, to really write things down, right? And like, I I started this probably like four years ago, and it's just like great because every time I I start a new journal, I can always like look again to my list of things yeah. to do. So. The Dream Lab, for example, it started as a note huh. in a random page in one of my journals. Yep. And I, I have a picture somewhere of that at the note, but it was just saying, like, test your theories with your students in the leadership development program. Hmm. And that one note, you know, probably because of the intentionality or, or yep. more conscious uh, thinking I put on that. Uh, that one note became a book, you know, two, three years later, yep. but that's how everything started. You know, that, that's, that's what I call, that's what I mean about being more conscious about the things that you want to do and yeah. having a journal. Uh, it's a great way to always remind yourself about those things. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's too many fun things to accomplish in life and having having a place like a journal for me it was a document just on a computer but having that again i think it can serve as a little bit of a, a north a true north and the compass for what we want to orient ourselves toward and so you're coming back in a year and we can we can talk about the world 
in 2021. I want to, if it's okay with you, I'd love to follow you through this process of going through your PhD and, and hearing about your adventures, hearing about your adventures of the book. And I think that would be a lot of fun if you're open to it. Oh, definitely. I'm going to put on my calendar as soon as, as, soon as we are done with this. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. I always close out this podcast by saying, what are you streaming? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What, what stands out for you, Giago, that, that, uh, that's kind of got you, your mind turning lately? So my mind turning lately. Uh, so I, I thought about the, that question before we came here. And first, um, I never stopped streaming Friends. That, uh-huh. That's something... That, that's how I learned English. I know the whole thing, you know, lines and ev- like, it's so funny because every time I watch with someone, they're like, dude, can you stop repeating the lines? You know? So I am that kind of person. And, uh, and honestly, I, I think the friends teach you a lot about life in, in general, you, you yeah. know? Um, so anyway, great, great show. But right now I, I've, I've, I was watching a lot of this is us. Have you, uh, have you watched that? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started watching This Is Us, and it's a great show that shows a lot about life, a, a lot of drama also. I, I'm a crier, so there isn't one episode that I don't cry on that thing. I even had to step back a little bit because <laughs> I was getting too emotional, I guess. But it's, it's a great show. And then Suits is another one that yeah. it was great, and I really, I really recommend to people. Podcast speaking, um, I've been listening a lot of the leadership educators. Uh, I've been listening a lot to yours also, Scott. If I'm not wrong, I watched from episode one to three and then from nine to 16. Okay. Uh, that's So I, I just haven't watched like from four to eight or four <laughs> to nine there. So well, Dan and Lauren do a, do a wonderful job on their podcast, that's for sure. They, they definitely do. Yep, yep. Yeah. And just general, I love NPR, uh, Life Kit. I think that's a great podcast that you, you learn a bunch of things there. I, I love learning from life and with life. So they always have like such random things, but it, it's very, very helpful. Mm. I love it. I love it. Well, Diogo, we, we will see each other a year from now for sure. I hope to see you before then. But thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Best of luck as you start the PhD. Best of luck as you tap into what it is that you have a passion for. I hope everything with the book comes along beautifully. I look forward to seeing that. And be well, my friend. Be well. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoy talking to you finally, you know, talking and getting to know each other in a live environment. So uh, it was very nice for me also. Thanks a lot again. Oh, take care. Be well. What a really fun conversation with Giogo. Here's uh, a gentleman with so much potential. He's dreaming big. He's living what it is he teaches. And I'm going to put it in the show notes, but he just sent me a link to his new website, Ride Academy. And RIDE stands for Reflect, Imagine, Decide, Evolve. Uh, Stop and reflect about who you are and where you want to be. Dream and strategize about the numerous possibilities. 
Decide, make a decision about what your next move is and go for it. And evolve, learn and grow from the outcome, no matter what it is. Uh, Giago, thank you for the work that you do. And again, can't wait to meet with you a year from now to hear about your adventures. Now, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so, the ILA Global Conference is coming up. I will put some registration information in the show notes so you can check out and learn more there. But hope to see you online at that conference. Take care, everybody. Be well. Bye-bye.